So uh, we are in the middle of a series that we're, we've been calling The More You Know, and just kind of talking about the reasons why we do some of the things that we do. And, and so in the, the first week of the series, we talked about the Bible and the importance that, that the Bible has for each one of us. Last Sunday, we talked about baptism. Well, today we're going to be talking about another um, topic that's something that, that we do and we participate in every single week. And, and to kind of introduce this to you, I, I want to put a, a picture up on the screen. And this is a, a man named Herman Rorschach. Uh, and he was a, a Swiss psychologist, and in 1921, he wrote a, a book uh, based on just some, some studies that he had been um, conducting that he felt were giving some insight into people's personalities, the way that they think. And, and his famous test, appropriately enough, is named the Rorschach test. And, and really what he would do is he would show ink blots, if you, if you can put that up. Yeah, he, he would show ink blots, this symmetrical ink uh, picture of, of some kind, and show it to people and, and ask them, what do you see when you look at this ink blot? And, and what he would do is he would record what people's answers were. He would record how long it took them to, to generate a response. And, and there were a couple other factors, but he believed that, that you could tell a lot about the way people thought, a lot about their, their personality based on their answers to looking at some of these different ink blots. Now, Rorschach tests have been criticized in the decades since as being kind of a, a pseudoscience, but the idea that the, uh, of these tests still have persisted to this day, that, that there are certain like free associations, like when you hear a certain word or you see a certain picture, what comes to mind when you hear that word or when you see that picture? And, and the topic we're going to talk about this morning can kind of be a little bit of a Rorschach test for people with, within the church, that when you, when you hear about this topic, sometimes, sometimes it can generate some, some very uh, emotional responses based on what your church experience has been, what your life experience has been. And, and so the, this morning, as, as, we're, as we're talking, we're going to be discussing a topic that's actually brought up in Scripture almost more than any other topic, more than heaven and hell, more than how we treat the poor, how we treat the widows, how we treat orphans, more than talking about faith and prayer. It's even talked about more than marriage and relationships. And this morning we're going to be talking about money. And, and like I said, money can be a bit of a, a Rorschach test because I, I think we've all, whether we've been in a service or we've heard people talking, and, and it feels very, in, in a church setting, it can often feel very manipulative of, all right, what, what can we do to try to get people to give more? What can we do to try to get people to, to tithe more? And that's not what we're going to be doing today. What, 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 I, what, my, what my prayer for us today is, is that to, to give some understanding of, of each week when we gather together and we talk about honoring the Lord with, with our finances and, and worshiping, the, worshiping God in our giving, that we can have a greater understanding of, of what that means and how we can apply that to our lives ourselves. And, and so uh, one of the reasons that I believe that, that money is talked about in the Bible more than probably, than almost anything else, is because the way that we handle our money can often be a good barometer as to how our heart is oriented. It, the, the way we handle our money, the way we handle our finances, really can tell an awful lot about who we are, what our priorities are, where, where we place value and what we don't place value on. And, and so instead of trying to sit up here and, and convince you and share all the reasons 
why, you know, why, why everybody ought to give. What I, what I want to do is share some kind of scriptural money principles and, and really about how, talk about how each of us can become more like Jesus in the way that we handle our money, the way we handle our finances. And, and so around Christmas time, we often will hear this phrase or some version of this phrase that it's better to give than to receive. Or, or that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And, and it may surprise you to know that, that those words were actually spoken by Jesus himself. In, in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's talking to and he's addressing a, a group of elders from the church in Ephesus. And, and he actually quotes Jesus saying this. And, and so in, in Acts 20, 35, says, In everything I did, this is the Apostle Paul talking, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words that the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, when we receive something, like it sure is a blessing. Like every one of us have been given a gift. Every one of us have had somebody surprise us in one way or another. And, and, it, and it, it really is a blessing. We, we appreciate it and we'll often call it a blessing, but, but Jesus states something that each of us here in the room intuitively know, that, that it, is more, it, is, it is a greater blessing to be able to give to somebody else than it is to actually receive on, on our own, to, to meet a need of somebody else, to, to be able to provide for somebody and help them out in, in some way or another. And, and we, all, we all love being able to get gifts, but it really is a blessing to be able to give those gifts. I, I, my, I, I, uh, my my grandmother she passed away, and, and and I remember as I was thinking about this this message this morning. I remember when I was a kid, I was six, seven, eight years old, and and I would go to my my grandma's house and and I would put together Christmas gifts for the rest of my family, for my cousins, my aunt, my uncle, and my my uh, my mom and dad, and 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 so we would go buy these little wooden ornaments. And I would paint them, and and I did a terrible job painting them. Like I mean, they just they look terrible. But but I remember how excited I was on Christmas Day that yeah, it, it was great to get gifts. But I remember how excited I was to be able to watch other people open up the gifts that I had given to them, that I had put some time and and some effort into. And so so I think all of us kind of know this and understand this principle that it is more of a blessing to be able to give than it is to receive. Um, I, I, I'm not at all making this uh, about me, but I wanted to share kind of a, a story uh, about this. That A number of years ago, there was a friend of ours that was going on a, a mission trip to Africa, and they were going to be building some orphanages in Africa, and, and we were trying to raise some, some financial support for it. And in the course of our conversation, we, we, you know, we, we found out, he shared with us what the cost of the materials was going to be to be able to build one of those orphanages. And, and Angel and I, we, we kind of talked about it, we were praying about it, and we decided to give that exact amount because we wanted to be able to, and, and, and the exact amount doesn't, doesn't matter, the details aren't important, but we, we, wanted to, we wanted to say, all right, we want to help be able to be a blessing to these, these kids that, that have no families that don't have any homes. And, and so, so while, it was, while it was stressful, while it was a bit of a commitment, there really was this incredible feeling of joy and, and encouragement as we knew we were going to be able to be a blessing, to be able to give this away. And, and sure, we could have gone out and bought something for ourselves or gone on a vacation or, or something like that, but it, 
but we got to experience the joy that it is to be a blessing, to give rather than to receive. And so where I want to begin our, our conversation this morning is, is what does it look like for each of us as, as individuals, as, as followers of Jesus, for us as a church family to be a people that are generous, to be, to be a generous people, to be a generous church. And so the first point I want to share where I want to begin this morning is that giving and being generous are actually two separate things. Giving and being generous are two separate things because they, these are they're, they're matters of the heart. You, you've heard me say this before, that it's possible to do the right thing but for the wrong reasons. And sometimes when, when we give, not, and I'm not saying just here in church, but there are times that, there's times that we give that we can do it with a grumbling attitude. All right, God knows I've been there, you know, where, 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 we can have, where we can give, but we're not doing it with the right heart, that maybe we did it out of, a, out of a sense of duty, or maybe we did it because we thought it's, well, this is what we're supposed to do. This is, this is what a, a good Christian does, or, or maybe because somebody played on our emotions, or, or we felt manipulated in some way, and that's why we gave. But being generous is actually a, a posture of the heart. Being generous is a posture of the heart that, that we do the right things for the right reasons, that we have that, that, it, that it shows that we have an attitude towards money and towards stuff, that it doesn't have like a, a, a stranglehold on us in, in those moments. And, and so let me give you an example about what I mean by that to kind of frame two different, two different mindsets as it relates to, to money, as it relates to finances and stuff. That, that might help kind of give some perspective to this. And, and so one, one of the ways that we can view money, that we can view the world, we can view finances, is through the lens of scarcity. Scarcity. And, and what I mean by that is that we, we, we look at the world and we recognize that, that resources are, are finite. They're, they're finite. There's only so much out there. And so because, because there, there's scarcity out there, and if you can actually put that next slide up there. Because there's scarcity out there, I want to consume. I, I want to have as much for me as I can. Because I, I'm, I'm worried that there's going to be a lack. There's going to be a, a lack of, of something in my life. And if, if I don't have that, well, th well then how am, I gonna, how am I gonna take care of my family? How am I gonna meet my needs? And, and, and so fear is often the driving force behind the, this idea when we view life through the lens of scarcity. That that I that that I want to I want to consume, in in one way or another, and and and, and so like I said that this can lead to to a feeling of fear and it really can become a vicious cycle that we consume we're worried we're going to lack we have fear and so we consume more and it just kind of becomes this perpetuate self perpetuating cycle, but but another way that we can view finances we can view the 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 world around us is through the lens of of abundance. And, and what, what I mean by that is we, we recognize that we're not looking to accumulate for ourselves, that we trust that God is going to meet all of our needs, that we can give freely. Like as, as, as believers, you know, that, that we can give our first 10% back to God as the tithe, as an act of worship because of God's goodness, because, you know, because of his goodness, we tithe, we give, we are generous. And, and just a, a, a side note here, the, the tithe, giving our first 10% of our income, is the biblical standard uh, of our giving. 
you know, from, from the Old Testament, it, it's talked about multiple times, and even Jesus affirms the tithe in, in Matthew 23. But then when we, when we give, we, we know that God also multiplies. We, we've seen it time and time again in, in our own lives. Where, where I, I know that I, I've seen, and I've had this happen with, with other people as we've talked, that, that when we give, we can see God doing more with the 90% that we have left than we could do with the whole 100% that we had on our own. And, and really the driving force behind a lifestyle that, that's, that's framed through, the, that's rooted in abundance, is faith, and it's not fear. Lord, I trust that you are going to meet my needs. I trust that you are going to, to take care of me. You're going to take care of, of my family in these moments. And, and so if I could kind of sum up everything that we're going to be talking about today as it comes to being a generous people, as it comes to being a generous church, in one sentence it would be this, if you can put it up on the screen, is that we are generous because God has been so generous to us. That, that we are generous because God has been so incredibly generous with us. It, it's such a simple statement, but it is so very true. And, and as followers of Jesus, we want to be a true and a genuine reflection of him in our lives in, in the, way that we, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we talk, the way that we, the way that we live. And if there's one adjective that I think describes God, it would be generous. We all know John 3.16, for God to love the world that he gave his one and only son. You know, James 4.6, God opposes, opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, and I could list off dozens of other passages that talk about God's generosity towards, towards each of us. And as we read through our Bibles, as we read through our Bibles, we're constantly confronted with a God who is abundantly, irrationally, and ridiculously generous towards his people in all things, at all times, regardless of, of whether we deserve it or not. He gives when it hurts, giving even when others don't respond well to him. And, and so in our faith journey of becoming more like Jesus, in, in becoming more generous like he is, what I want to do is I want to take a look at what does it look like for us as a church, as, as individuals, how can we become abundant givers? Because, because that's my prayer for, for myself. That's my prayer for all of us as a church family. Is what can we do to be abundant givers? That we can be ridiculously generous in the way we live our lives. And so the, the, the first kind of thing I, I want to say about abundant givers is abundant givers, they give spontaneously. Abundant givers give spontaneously. And, and so when we, when we see a need when something is presented to us, when we observe something going on around us, we think to ourselves, oh, I can meet that need. I, I can take care of that need. I have the time. I have the resources. I have the ability. I'm going to go and I'm going to meet that need in, in the moment. Sometimes it can happen if, we, if, if there's a natural disaster of some kind. There's a, there's a hurricane or an earthquake, and, and, and we give to like a relief fund, or, or maybe we see somebody that set up a GoFundMe page, you know, trying to raise funeral expenses or, or something like that. And, and we can give spontaneously in that moment that we see a need and we want to go and, and meet that need. Like we, and we, we become abundant givers when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, when, when he's encouraging us to give, that we, that we are generous to help meet a need in that very moment. I, I was having a conversation with somebody in our church a, a couple weeks back, and I'm not going to say who it was because he wouldn't want attention drawn to this, but, but we, we were talking, and he was saying that he encountered this woman. She had two small kids with her who had run out of gas 
on the side of the road, and he went up and filled up, uh, you know, a little you know, gas tank, put some gas in her car, and said, hey, follow me to the gas station. I'm going to top you off. I'm going to fill your, ga- your car up completely. And, and, and it was th- this is what spontaneously giving is all about, is saying, all right, I see a need, and I want to go and I want to meet that need. And there's, there's, a, there's a man in the New Testament in a parable that Jesus told called the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he gave in this way. that there, there, was a, there was a Jewish man along the side of the road that had been beaten up and, and he was left for dead. And he was, in, he was in such a bad way that if somebody didn't step in, he was probably not going to make it. And so two religious uh, leaders, they had walked past and, and didn't help him. But, but this Samaritan, one who would not normally come and have helped out a Jew, spontaneously, spontaneously stopped to help him out. He, he didn't, I, I, I don't know this, I'm kind of projecting this, but I don't think that as Jesus was telling the story, the, the Good Samaritan was looking, all right, what, what's my good deed I can go out and, and do today? He, did, he saw somebody that had a need and he wanted to do something about it. He said, all right, I'm, I'm available. God, I'm, I'm willing, whatever you need me to do. And so he put some oil on the wounds of, and, and of the man and bandaged him up, put him on his donkey and led him to a hotel. And, and in Luke chapter 10, 35, as Jesus is telling this parable, he says, the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Like, he had this mindset of saying, all right, I, I'm available. I'm willing. If there's a need, I want to go and I want to try to meet the, this need. And, and, and just a side note here, this is where having margin in your life is so important. That when, that when we have financial margin in our life, that when a need is presented to us, that we can actually respond in that moment. Now, the second way that we, that, or the second kind of like quality of, of abundant givers, they give spontaneously, but abundant givers also give strategically. We give strategically, and not, not only spontaneously, but also prayerfully and strategically. And, and this, this part, admittedly, this requires intentionality, that if we're going to give intentionally, if we're going to give strategically, we need to be highly intentional about it. And, and so, you know, I, I brought up the tithe a, a few minutes ago. One of the ways that we can give strategically is that we make a decision that we're going to tithe, that we are going to give our first 10% back to God as, a, as an act of worship. We strategically and prayerfully and out of our heart of worship give back to God through the church. We, we don't give what's left over, we give what's first. And planning, planning to put God first in everything that we do, not just feeling, not just giving when I feel prompted to or when I, when I see that there's a need, but that I'm going to strategically do it. It's response to God as an act of worship. And, and I love what Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8 says about generous people here. And, and when I came across this verse as I was praying and preparing for this message, this is something, man, this is, this is who I want to be. This is who I want our church to be. And, and Isaiah 32, 8, he says, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is, what is generous. It doesn't just naturally happen. It does, it's not just, like, I, I have no doubt that every one of us in this room here, we have a desire to be generous. We, we want to live a life that's not all about us. We want to live a life that is for others and is willing to, to give and to sacrifice and, and, to, and to share. We want to be generous. 
But Isaiah said that generous people plan for how to be generous. It doesn't just happen. And most of us, myself included with this, we, we, have, we have plans for how to consume. Like, all right, you know, when, when I get paid, I'm going to buy those new shoes. I'm going to buy that new Xbox game. I'm going to buy a bigger house. I'm going to buy a fancier car. Like, like, oftentimes, our financial plans are about how we plan to consume. And I say, so, no, 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 we, we also need a plan for how to be generous as well. As, as followers of Jesus, we've not been called to be spiritual consumers. We've, we've, called, we've been called to be spiritual contributors, that we don't believe that the church exists just for us, to serve us, to meet our needs, but our, our church exists for the world. It exists for, for other people, for those who are not here yet. And, and that kind of generosity only happens when we choose to be strategic about it, when we choose to be strategically generous. We have to make a plan for it. And, and I've talked, with, I've talked with, with many people about this, and, and this is not meant to be a, a, a cut or a criticism at all, where I've heard people say, hey, all right, I, I want to give, I want to be generous, I, I want to tithe, but man, things are just so tight right now. Things are just so financially difficult for us in, in this moment. And, and what I always tell people is, we'll start somewhere. All right, begin somewhere. Create, create a plan. All right, if, if you want to be a tither, if you want to be able to be generous, if, if you want to give, what's, what's the plan? How are you going to make that happen? How are you going to get there? Like, are there things in your life that you can eliminate? Things that we can cut back on? Are, are there debts that you have that you can retire that is going to free up more income so that you can be more generous? And, and as we give more, and we give more if we plan on giving more. If we plan for it, it becomes a part of our hearts, a part of our, our thoughts, our values, if we want to give more. And, and along with this, and I, I kind of alluded to this just a few moments ago when I was talking about giving spontaneously, that being able to give spontaneously also requires planning. It, it, require, it requires us to, to, to make a plan. Uh, one of the things our family does, and again, this is not to be about me. I'm just trying to share some things that, that we've learned uh, about in, in seeking to be uh, in seeking to be generous people is, is when, when either I get paid or Angela gets paid, like we, we pay our tithe. We pay a 10% right off the bat. No, no questions asked. But then we also set aside another percentage of, that's just extra giving so that when those, those times come up, when, when a need is presented to us, we have the margin. We have the ability to be able to give in, the, in those moments. And so we, we've had to plan for it to be able to be strategic with it. And so abundant givers, they give, they give spontaneously, they give strategically, but they also give sacrificially. Abundant, abundant givers give sacrificially as well. And there, there's so many powerful examples of, of sacrificial giving in, in Scripture, but, but one of them really sticks out more to me than anything else in Mark chapter 12. Where, where Jesus, he, he, he's sitting in the temple and, he, and he's just ma having some observations. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. So, I mean, think of it in some ways like Jesus at the back of the, of the worship center here watching people as they're putting their, their tithe envelopes in the giving boxes. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you that this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. 
They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. Like Jesus watched this poor widow put the two copper coins in, into the offering, and I was thinking about this. He could have stopped her. Like he, he could have said, you know, no, 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 let the high rollers take care of this. Let, let, you know, let, let the others, they'll, they'll fund it, they'll take care of it. But, but he, what he was doing is he recognized what she was doing, that, that what he said in, in Acts 20, 35, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Like he, he was allowing her to be a blessing in that moment. And he knew that something happens when we give spontaneously, when we give strategically, when we give sacrificially. There's something that happens inside of us. When, when we realize that our money is not what makes us. Our stuff is not what makes us. It, it's, you know, when we, when we can say, all right, my finances, my money doesn't have a hold on me. It's not mine to begin with. Everything I have comes from God and, and his grace and his goodness in my life. And, and so I, I, I can freely give back. It all belongs to him anyways. There, there's something so powerfully freeing that takes place when, when, when we can live a radically generous life. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do. As individuals, as families, as, as a church family, he's calling us to live radically generous lives. And, and so I, I want to close this morning with, with one kind of final thought to, to reiterate something that I, I mentioned before. And this idea that, that God has called us to be contributors and not consumers. He's called us to be contributors and not consumers. If, if you remember, and we've all heard this from, from President Kennedy's inaugural address where he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Like God is calling us to make a difference together. We are generous because God has been so incredibly generous to us. So like we, we invest our lives and our ability and our resources and our time into something that's greater than ourselves. We, we don't come to church and belong to a church for what we get out of it. That's, that's not who God has called us to be. Trying to say, all right, well, how can the church serve me? How can the church meet my needs? How can the church be what I want it to be? But no, God, God has called all of us to be a part of this family, to contribute together, to serve one another, to serve our community, to serve our neighborhood, to give and to love one another well. And part of that contribution is in our finances too. That there are young people here in our church that need our love, that need our investment, our encouragement, and our sacrifice. There's families here in our church that are walking through divorce, through addiction, through job loss, through mental and, and emotional struggles. Like there, there's people right here in our neighborhood, right outside our, our doors, that are dealing with poverty and, and lack, of, lack of opportunity, lack of resources, lack of connection and, and lack of hope. And God has strategically put us here, right here in the middle of this residential area, to be able to help meet those needs. We need you. All of us. As a family, we all need to do our part together. And, and as your pastor, I'm not going to be shy in asking you to be generous, for us to be a generous people, for us to be a generous church. And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll lead the way in that. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not already, that I'm not doing myself, because I know, if there's one thing I know, 
Number one, every one of us wants to be generous. We all do. Every single person in this room have a desire to be generous because it's who Jesus is. Jesus has been so good and so kind and so great and so generous to each one of us. And he, he's the model, he's the embodiment of generosity. We, we give because he gave. We love because he loved. We serve because he served. We sacrifice because he sacrificed for us. And so what I'm, what I'm asking all of us to do, what, I, what I'm challenging all of us as, as our Living Stones Church family to do is I want you to pray. I want you to ask God and say, God, how can I be a more generous person? How can we be a more generous church together? What can I do? What is my part to play? I'm not going to sit up here and, and tell you, all right, everybody needs to give this amount, this percentage. And no, no, I, I'm not going to do that. What I want to do, what I want to challenge everybody to do, is I want you to sincerely pray and say, God, what can I do? What's my part? How can I be a more generous person? In my, in my finances, in my time, in my efforts. And then I'm going to challenge everyone to follow through. Like, I trust that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I trust that, that God is moving in your hearts and in your lives. And then when God speaks to you, we need to follow through. We need to take that next step. It's one thing to pray about it. It's, it's entirely another thing to put some legs to it, to make that plan. Generous people plan for how to be generous and then follow through. And, it, and this can take discipline. It, it's, it's just like exercise. It's, it's like learning to, to eat right. But the rewards of living a generous life are so huge and abundant. And so I, I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes. And I just want to pray for us right now, if you would, that, Lord, I, I, I'm just so thankful for you. God, I'm thankful for the way that you work in, in our lives and the way that you work in our hearts. God, I thank you for being so incredibly generous to us as a church family. God, that you have provided, you've made a way, that you've taken such good care of us, Lord. And, and God, we want to be a very real reflection of who you are. So God, in the same way that you've been so abundantly generous to us, God, we want to respond in kind. We want to be a generous people. We want to be a generous church. Not because we're trying to earn favor, fulfill some religious duty. God, out of an, out of an act of, of love and worship, of recognizing that, that we are not defined by our, our, our bank account. We're not defined by our stuff. God, it all belongs to you anyways. Everything we have is purely by your goodness and your grace. And so God, when, when we give freely, willingly, abundantly, generously, God, I pray that you're gonna do a transformation in our hearts, Lord, that we're gonna see you at work. God, recognizing that this isn't about us, that we all play a part as, as a church body, as a church family. God, that we all play a part, that we all have a, a responsibility. And God, that we would be that true reflection of who you are in living a generous life because you lived a generous life for us. So Lord, I just pray that, 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 that as our church family, as some that maybe, maybe have never taken that step of giving before, Lord, that, that God, you are going to show yourself faithful in their lives. God, that you're going to just bless 
abundantly. God, as we seek to, to worship you and honor you with our finances. Lord, that you would do an amazing work. God, Holy Spirit, speak to us about what is our next step and how we can be a more generous people and a more generous church. In Jesus' name, amen. We're, we're going we're gonna to finish by taking communion right now. In fact, can I just grab my communion elements real quick? Thank you very much. And I, if you would, would you stand right now as we get ready to take communion? And, and as I was thinking about this, I could think of no more appropriate way of ending a service talking about generosity than by taking communion together. That Jesus willingly, freely gave his life for you and for me. That we could be reconciled to God once again. Like that, that's, what, that's what the bread and that's what the juice represent. The incredible gift that Jesus gave to you and to me. That he was so generous in allowing his body to be broken, his blood to be spilled for us. So let, let's take the bread together right now. Thank you, Lord, for your body. And let's take the juice together as well. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was spilled for us, Lord. Thank you, God, for the way that you freely, without condition, God, gave up your life for us. You allowed your body to be broken and your blood to be spilled so that we could be right with you once again. Lord, we're so grateful, God, for your abundantly generous gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together once more.